this is how I get through the hard stuff. I just like flipping a burger. I'm flipping a burger, just flip the burger. That's all you're doing. You're just showing up, do the, do the task, do the research, do the homework, improve, take notes, iterate, and just keep doing that. If you're a tech leader looking to learn today's best practices for leading high-functioning teams, you're in the right spot. In each episode, we learn from today's top tech leaders as they share their successes, their failures, and their lessons learned along the way. I'm Debbie Madden, and this is the Scaling Tech Podcast, your blueprint for scaling tech teams. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. I'm Debbie Madden, the host of the Scaling Tech Podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk with Jean Smart about being a female founder. Um, I'm the female founder myself, so I'm really excited to have this conversation. Uh, for those that don't know Jean, she is the founder and CEO of Penelope, which is an amazing company. It is a venture-backed 401k platform that's focused on serving the 5 million American micro and small businesses. Like all of us know what a 401k is, but some of us have worked for a small company that, and it's hard to get a 401k set up for a small company. And so Jean was inspired to launch the company at the height of COVID. Great time to be a female founder, as I'm sure you'll tell us about. Um, after watching so many small businesses struggle, it reminded her of her immigrant parents who were owners of a grocery store and restaurant in Los Angeles. And they really failed to invest in their own retirement, leaving them vulnerable at an old age. I'm sure we all know folks like this. And uh, before founding Penelope, Jean is a former uh, Wall Street executive working in financial services for over 20 years, most recently as the managing director at UBS. So decades worth of experience now going into Penelope. So let, let's start with, you know, tell us about your journey as a female founder, like what was it like for you? So first of all, Debbie, thank you so much. So the female founder, I think I, in many ways, I'm the un unsuspecting female founder. I had been in America for most of my professional life, always in financial services. And um, I think about the last 10 years of my life, I was looking for something bigger than just the title and the work. Um, it was a yearning for impact. I, I don't mean to sound cheesy about it, but you get a little bit older. You've been working, you've been saving, you've got children, you've got family, you've got responsibilities, and you're trying to figure out the next step, and boom, here comes COVID. So uh, that accelerates and puts everything on sort of hyperspeed. Um, and so during COVID, my husband, daughter, and I, we actually went to Southern California to be near a family. And I think at that time, I always say, whoever you spent time with during that period, that's your tribe. For us, it was family. It's life or death, high stakes, whoever you spent time with. And we spent a lot of time, my husband and I, he had been a professor uh, for decades, so working for two of the largest sort of institutions, and we really thought about what we want to do with this next phase. And um, doing something on my own, taking in the financial services learnings for him. He'd been a professor for his life. He wanted to help in some ways. So we did like what a lot of people I think did, re refactor their career trajectory. He went back to school to be a psychotherapist, focusing on young adults in the same way. And I started this company. I think um, it, it meant a lot that my parents were small business owners. I think at that time, had it not been for the government, 
uh, intervening and supporting the small businesses, a lot of them would have been decimated. And I just, it just, it was the beginning, it was the past, it was the future, it was a combination of things. So we spent a lot of time during COVID doing a lot of math. Can we do this financially? Does this look different? What does this look like? And then once we got that settled, we started. And so, uh, so it's only been three years ish, right? That uh, you've been found yeah. Like so far in this journey, um, what surprised you most about being either a female founder specifically or about being a founder? I think everything. It's almost everything. It's especially around the venture back side. Uh, it, there's a unique discrete set of um not pressures but unique experiences that you're setting yourself up for so uh starting a company what's different is i thought coming from financial services being in this space a lot of things would be easy starting my own business to get up i understood tax structure how to read a PL, how to manage teams but it's really different and i would make it akin to being a doctor if you're a doctor, there's a huge difference between being an oncologist, a radiologist, and a podiatrist, or an ophthalmologist. A lot of specialization. So being in FinTech, being venture-backed, and starting this diff, um, business um, was, was hugely surprising. You're focusing on scale, growth, um, not growing at all costs, but very there's strategic partnerships that become a very important part of that mix. So... In that respect, um, there was a lot for me to learn. I also had never started my own small business. So registering, finding your employer benefits, what payroll provider, uh, what software you use, because there's a myriad of them and you're learning the ropes um, and you're trying to figure it all out. For And then personally, I think I've mentioned before, we did a lot of math and I've been in financial services for a long time. And some of the math meant making different choices. We all have different choices around how we spend, how we manage our time, and our personal lives sort of changed. We couldn't take four vacations a year as much, or we were taking one or two, we were prioritizing, or we were cooking more. So I think a lot of that um, was a shift that first year, second year, and now it's become more normalized, and I think we're happier for it. But the way I operated my nine to five from Monday to Friday became like six to six or six to 12, Monday to Sunday. And then our personal lives in terms of how we operate makes, they're set, they're subtle. And I think, again, my husband and I feel more true to where we, who we really are and what we're doing, but it took a little time. It took yeah, a little time. yeah. 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 I, I, the two things I picked up most on were the, all of the important things that go into making a business, um, aside finding product market fit, which is really important, right? So that you have a profitable, sustainable business. But, um, you know, I've been a female entrepreneur for 20 years and there have been many things that I learned, you know, five years ago after doing this for 15 years. And I said, wait a second, how did I not know about that? You have to make mistakes. And I don't, I'm not, I don't want to overgeneralize for women or if you're used to doing things well and executing over and over that those things won't change. But the whole point of doing this is making mistakes. Yeah. I, if there are 101 mistakes you make as a first time founder, 
I'm like, done. 80. Give me the next 100. Give me the next 100. So what's become more normalized is um, the errors, the mistakes. You pick, you forgive yourself faster. You dwell on things less. You just turn the page and move on. And that's been hugely um, empowering and kind of a relief. You just don't have to hold it off. I think I think that's so important. Um, you know, I myself also have have children, and you spoke about changing the way you spend your time, right? Your time in relation to work, your time in relation to your children, to yourself, and that the 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 ability to dwell on things less is an under talked about key aspect. It's you, you, there's still the same hours in the day. So the time you can afford to dwell is just, it's just minuscule, right? It doesn't mean you can't reflect and, and learn and move forward, but it has to be, it has, that is, has to be one of the things that shifts, I think, in my experience. Um, so I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's so important. Yeah. And I would say that I'm still probably not doing things really well. Um, I am still trying to figure it out. Um, the the name of my company is named after my daughter, Penelope, um, who is a direct beneficiary of my 401k account, my husband's bar 3B. And she, so she's a real person. And I have to say, during all of this, um, we went to a parent-teacher conference last year and the teacher started um, saying, well, Penny is doing this and this. And we're like, who's Penny? And so she changed her name during this. So it's, I, again, we're talking about work so much. It, I, I would say those lines are super blurry and I'm finding ways to get a little bit better, but every, the minuscule of time is concentrated to family and then a few core friends, but mostly it's just, it's, it work envelops you. You know this. Yep. Yep. Uh, abs- absolutely. I think that's a common thread. I spoke to speak to a lot of female entrepreneurs and founders and this like fear of fail. Oh, I'm failing at everything. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks might kind of, you know, say, how is that possible from the outside looking in? It looks like I want, I want to do what you're doing. Right. And so there is that, that grass is greener, right. A lot of times because, um, you know, there, there is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of really hard decisions you have to make. Okay, which of my children's activities uh, do I get to show up to? Which of my family activities do I get to show up to? And again, it's that that constant, you know, micro decision balance with those big bets that you're taking. Okay, I'm betting on this company being successful. And so what are all the little things I have to get done every day, Monday through Friday to make that big bet worthwhile? So, um, so one of the things I want to ask you about we talk a lot about, you know, the disadvantages of being a female founder. There are many. Um, it's hard to raise money. There's many. We can talk about that in a second. But have you found that there's been any advantages? Um, and what are those? When you're a small group, small cohort, um, you can be very mighty and you really need to talk and decompress and that. So community. Community is the primary source. There are not a lot of female founders, mm-hmm. uh, in fintech. Uh, female in um, other sort of um, core tech um, categories. So the the few that I've met, primarily through portfolio companies of my investors, are awesome. They're mm-hmm. we're both almost at the same stage because that's the right, other right. 
pre-seed, seed, A, B. You're dealing with a whole new set of investors, um, different dynamics, and go-to-market scale mean very different things at each stage. So to be able to talk to these other founders and other women, extremely generous and extremely helpful. The other one is, um, the other benefit is, hey, I don't know how to quite say this, but um, it's not that different from what you are doing. So women are doing hard things. Like that was just Tuesday. Who cares? Like that was we. I, I think we, look, we live longer. We make less. We're responsible for parents. We're responsible for children. We're starting our own business. We, I, if you've been in financial services, media, tech, any category, any industry, you've always had to fight and do hard things. So it's not that different. So it's just, you're owning the things that are hard and you're normalizing it and you can control that sort of story for yourself. So that is, we, if, if you've had everything handed, if everything's been easy, then doing then starting a company is really hard. But if you've already been doing hard things, you got this. I love that. And I also do, I have found in my, my own career, um, when I can find a group of female founders and I do seek that out and I spend time with, with, with that group of women, um, it is, um, truly unparalleled, um, whether someone's just starting out or been, you know, an entrepreneur for 50 years, right? There is this, there is this, um, inherent, you know, bond and, and, and willingness to help and empathy that is, um, I have found amazing in my career. So I'm glad to hear that you have found that as well. Um, so I want to talk about, um, uh, fundraising for a second. Uh, right now it is very hard to raise money in general, especially at the early stages. And I think the last statistic that I saw was in 2022, women um, got a whopping 2.1% of venture capital funding. That, now, that's not angel funding and, and other types of, of non-traditional funding, but it is still a very small amount. Um, and the number really kind of hasn't budged much in, in 15 years. Um, and you've raised um, 2.1 in pre-seed funding. Um, and so like, what, what has your experience been? I know it was, um, not necessarily right this moment, um, 2023, but it has been very recent during, you know, during the pandemic, um, was it challenging? Do you have any, um, kind of tips to share with us? Because I think, you know, for men and women alike and, and, and all types of founders, I think funding is a, is top of mind right now. Yeah. So, um, we did the pre-seed, um, a little over two at the end of 21. Okay. Launched early last year. So we'd been in market a little over 18 months and we actually did a seed, um, at the end of last year, I just okay. did a press release around it. Okay. So we're well over, um, 6 million in total. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, which is great. So well, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, what? we're, we're doing all sorts of, um, interesting things right now, great things that are propelling us for the next 18 months. Um, but I would say, so they're, raising is hard. Um, you're either good at it or you're not. And if you're, most of us aren't. So it's um, trial by error, practicing and getting um, a lot of the storytelling components right. Because I didn't realize how much that was a big part of it. Um, 2021 was very different than 2022 and 2023. 
in retrospect at the time, 21 felt really hard, but I think a lot of investors and founders are saying that was sort of the heyday. Cost of capital was much more easier to obtain. Um, there were tons of venture firms that were being built out. So that, in retrospect, at the time it felt hard, but in the time you you just didn't know it. Like right now it may be hard, but maybe next year it's going to be harder. It's hard to tell. It's only in reflection. And last year um, it was always hard. I mean, it's always hard to fundraise. Um, it is particularly hard right now. What I think the biggest thing is about mindset for whether you're a woman or a, a, a male or um, um, doing it at different phases. It's just a mindset around confidence and getting the correct data and the story and the information together. So whether it was two years ago, last year, or this year, it will always continue to be, but you have to just focus on getting in the right mindset. For me, if I know what the numbers are, that helps me prepare. Women got 2%. And so it's one in 98. That means I have to have 98 more meetings than anybody else. That means I better clear my calendar. So that's eight meetings a day scheduled like every single time for the next two months, doing follow-up, uh, researching the individuals I'll be talking to, to see if it makes sense for us. There's just more prep work, but the way that I've explained in the past and for me, this is how I get through the hard stuff. I just like flipping a burger. I'm flipping a burger, just flip the burger. That's all you're doing. You're just showing up, do the do the task, do the research, do the homework, improve, take notes, iterate, and just keep doing that. So that's how I deal with it. If I make it, if I break it down into a bunch of small parts and just lay it out and just walk through it. It seems to have worked and it will continue to. I mean, that's always been my thing about hard things. You just kind of break it down into micro pieces and just keep going after. Yeah, I, this aligns with my philosophy. Um, you know, there's there's many um, obstacles that you face being an entrepreneur in business in general. And if you, okay, here's where I'm at today. Here's where I want to get to tomorrow. And then breaking it down into steps, into a math problem. So many things are a math problem, right? Okay, I'm gonna, because I think people get stuck with the, oh, I'm gonna raise money. Okay, so I'm gonna do one phone call a week and then they get upset, it's impossible. Well, if, if, if you really kind of looked at it holistically and said, okay, I have to do 100 phone calls. Ooh, that's a lot. Okay, how am I gonna break that down? And then start measuring yourself around those outcomes and those outputs. I think it's it's more, uh, first of all, you're going to feel that you're accomplishing your kind of micro goals along the way to your ultimate goal. And second, you're going to really be like being, it's, it's, it's very easy to get emotional. And what you're doing is breaking it down into logical steps. And it might not always work out, but if you gloss over the details, it's just going to be so much harder. It's going to be so much more frustrating. Yeah. So I love that you, all right, let's put it in the calendar. Let's. Let's it, figure out how many times you got to flip that burger. It's <laughs> going to be two to four meetings. And there were all these things that people have said now, a fast no is better than a pro or, or um, doing a little bit more research to find firms with the right investment thesis, um, getting a little backstory, talking to the right partner. 
I mean, all of these things you hear up front, you can read a thousand books about startups, but until you're doing it, it's not the same. Just like you can read about Italy, you can read about travel, and you can try to replicate those meals, but there's nothing like having a meal in Italy and being there. You just, you have to do it. There's just no way around it. Nothing, there's no way around outsourcing. No, I, I agree 100%. Um, I, I love that's that's so so important. Um, you have to have the knowledge. You have to absorb that material, right? Whether yeah. through reading yeah. or through listening to peers or those who walked before you, and then you have to make it real. It, it's it's an education, and education is expensive. So you have to be okay with mistakes, and then you have to like forgive yourself and move on to the next day. Absolutely. Um, so my next question is around, you know, what are the keys to your success? And we we have been talking about some of them, right? Um, breaking things down into achievable mathematical problems, immersing yourself, having a, a, a re- like a peer group. Um, any other advice um, that you would give to either inspiring female founders or um, any founders that have, you think have a key to your journey uh, to date? I think... Um... The biggest one is just self-esteem and confidence, <laughs> which is under over underlooked. It's not necessarily tools based, but I've been fortunate to have parents who've um, supported, loved, and um, been interested in my welfare and making sure I get a great education, had the most opportunity, and supported me all the way. So you forget. Um, how critical that is. And not everyone starts off just even at that state. Um, from that, I do feel that hard things are interesting for me. Um, like what we're doing is, yes, we're doing a 401k plan, we're making it streamlined, but it's really hard to make this feel easy. There's ERISA, there's a lot of plumbing and the regulations, the IRS tax code, um, I am not a technical founder to find, so to find the right technical expertise and support and to build a team together where we're in five different asynchronous time zones and different cultures, different functions. Like none of this stuff is for the faint hearted, but I do appreciate that. Um, I started off in a good place with my parents was born in Korea, immigrated. So I had that feeling of dislodging and like confusion, trying to learn English and trying to fit in at school and figuring things out. I think that's been huge. And um, I am very energetic, as my friends would say. I um, I have a lot of passion around um, inclusive capital, around creating um, similar opportunities for those who don't have as ready uh, available access. And um, I, I, again, I owe a lot of it to my parents, but I think those are um, the key traits. Also, I'm not, I'm not easily intimidated. Uh, I'm not afraid to be older or to be a woman or to be Korean or to be an, I, it just, it's taken time. But I feel comfortable in a lot of different rooms, um, and I'm not going to hold back. And I think a big part of it was leaving corporate America and large company and trying to find like my real, like who I am. 
So it's been a personal journey on a lot of respects, and it would have felt really different doing it in my 20s and 30s. Doing it older at this phase feels um, so, like, it feels, like, good and juicy. It's it's very, yeah, yeah. I consider it a privilege to be able to do this, honestly. Yeah, and I, I think when you talked earlier about, you know, part of the success in 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 raising capital for your startup has to do with getting comfortable with telling the story. I think a big part of that is your yourself. This is the story of yourself and 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 your confidence in and your place in this story. And I think the fact that you have built up this confidence in yourself and all of the pieces that make up you and your experience and why you are the right person at the right time for Penelope. Um, I don't know if you've made that connection, but hearing you talk about you coming um, into your own comfort, I think is part of your story. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you don't need a lot. You need like two, three, four people in your lives who have your back. And I've been really lucky to have that. Um, and my husband's the main person. It, it I, I, I always, my parents always say this, like who you find as a partner is, it's a big decision later in life, but I, um, all of those things matter because for me, when I do feel like I've got that foundation and that safety net, the psychological safety net or whatever that is, it does, you, 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 you feel like they can risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, sadly we're at time, uh, but this has been absolutely thrilling. I really appreciate your time. It was really wonderful to hear your story have this important conversation. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right, everyone, take care. Hey, everyone. If you've enjoyed today's episode, remember to subscribe, give it five stars, and more importantly, share it with someone that you think will benefit from listening. And remember, as always, think about the one to two key takeaways that you can apply today to help you and your team achieve your goals. Until then, keep iterating.